This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally, Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how's everyone doing? Fist bump. Let's get today's episode going. We want to talk about good comes first, and I hope you guys take this to heart. There's just too much crap going on in companies today. You know what? Power struggles are not going to get us anywhere. Collaboration helps us get there. I think one of the things, I'm not a highlighter of books, but this book, there is a part, and the author can correct me if I remember this incorrectly, something about respect and results. See, this is why I remember that, because it's two R's. Remember when Sam Horn was on the show? She talked about the whatever assimilation or that's not the right term but you know what i'm talking about christoph's content corner results and respect easy to remember so why should good come first might be the dumbest question i'm going to ask somebody but i'm going to do it anyways so why not mark babbitt is one of the authors of this book uh ran across him many many years ago very active on social media i hope you guys check him out um, on Twitter and other places, but let's get him out of the green room here and find out why good should come first. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you? Well, hanging in there. We're live on a Friday here. Of course, we have no idea when the podcast episode goes live, what day of the week that is, but uh, TGIF, so to speak. How about you? Yes, sir. I'm uh, well, normally, Christoph, I don't, uh, you know, uh, th those of us who work in digital and social media, we don't care too much about Friday. But this weekend, my youngest son plays football and baseball in the same weekend. So we we we're very glad the work week is over and it's off to do something fun. Awesome. Yeah, we, we also have plenty of sporting events. So the weekends are for sleeping in. And then there we go. Youth sports say, um, let me stop you right there. Please be at the gym at 7.30 for warm-up. Wouldn't want it any other day. So, good comes first. I gave it a review on Amazon. I left a video review. As you guys know, you can check them out, authenticstorytelling.net forward slash live. All my reviews, all the products I recommend. You might notice I have one-star reviews on there. Not for this one. So if you wonder, and Christoph only does positive reviews, not true. I'll tell you how it is. If I don't like the book, I will tell you I don't like the book, but this one's a good one. So, Mark, tell me why is this even a book that needs to be written? I mean, seriously. Well, that that may be the best question we've been asked yet. And and the answer, Christoph, is quite simple. Workplaces suck. It they've always sucked. They they've they've been a, a byproduct of our industrial age where leaders usually old white guys seem to think that people are, are still lucky to have a job and and we're just supposed to put up with misogyny and and sexism and and harassment and and it's time we fix that it's it's and and i tell you what chris this has always been an issue you and i've been talking about this for years but here's what's fun the pandemic 
accelerated our frustrations with the workplace. And we learned that we could be productive from home. We, we could have a voice in where, how, and when work got done. We could be there for our kids and our, and our four-legged kids and our elderly parents and extended family. And we finally, as a society, learned we don't have to do this commute to work, put in all the hours required, put in more hours than, than necessary, commute back home, only to get up the next morning and do it all again. We know better now, and it's time that company culture matches that new expectation. Well, we know better now. I mean, I think many of us have known that for years. And and here's what's kind of crazy, quite frankly, anyways, about the whole thing of driving somewhere. Everything I have here in front of me, I pack up. Get, there's no train in Iowa, but stick with me here, right? Get on the subway and I go to work and then there you go. I use the same thing I just brought with me. It's the stupidest thing ever. And the other thing that I have actually learned. So I've, I've worked at home, I don't know, last couple of years, right? 2019, roughly. And uh, I mean, full-time and then before that here and there. The setup I have in here, no offense to any of the companies that I've enjoyed working with and for, is light years ahead of any place I've ever worked. Do you know what I'm saying? I got a better mic, I got a better chair. I got a better light, I got a better view, and I've had fantastic views, but this is still better right here, and I'm at home. So uh, totally with you. So, but do you think, is it gonna stick that way? Is it gonna stay that way? Are companies going to uh, continue to be flexible and human, and, and or how is it gonna evolve? Well, so that, that so depends on the, on, the, on the quality of leadership of those companies. And notice I didn't say it depends on the company, because, this isn't a this isn't a company thing. This isn't a corporate thing. This is a leadership thing. Culture is a leadership thing, and and we see these companies. You know, we hear these horror stories from from Wall Street, especially, but also companies in Silicon Valley purported to be these great companies to work for that are saying no, 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 no. Forget all that freedom you've had. Forget all that autonomy. Forget all that uh, willingness on our part to be flexible. The pandemic's almost over. We're 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 getting now. Our kids are vaccinated uh, too, or will be soon, and we just need to we just need to get back to work. And and you know we we hear about this mass exodus from the workforce and this great resignation and and all all of this stuff is resonating right now. Why? Because people aren't listening to the leaders that are saying forget all the good stuff that's happened over the last eighteen months amid a horrific pandemic forget all the good stuff that happened around work and just come back to the old normal. Well, you know what, Christoph, the old normal, as you already described, the old normal sucked for many of us. And why would we, why would we choose to go back to that? It makes no sense. So we're leaving rigid, old school, autocratic, usually boomer male leaders. And we're, we're going to find work that, that really matters. That also <laughs> matters to our employer that, that, that we live a, a good balanced life. You know, I know you said um, typically, and I know typically is your fallback here. So that's, you can totally refer back to that when I'm going to question it here in a minute. But it, I think it's a lot of different generations, right? Because, I mean, it's not just older leaders, can be younger leaders, could be other, different genders. And, and it's just something to keep in mind too, right? I know it's easy for us to pick on the majority of who's currently doing it. 
but just because you're a different gender or a different age doesn't mean you're exempt from you know being a better leader and i think when i first became a manager um i didn't you know i didn't have any new style leaders to even look at do you know what i'm saying like like this is the only leaders i've had and this is how they worked and this is how like how do you know how to be different um but leadership i know you talk about servant leadership and i i think that's great but you still have to set some kind of expectations right i mean that's maybe what you're talking about when you talk about results and and respect but this does not mean we're on vacation well that's it exactly and that's why that's why we say in the book, our foundational principle of the book is leaders must put respect. They must prioritize respect as much as they do results. And if there's any imbalance, well, if it's if it's this respectful place to work, but you don't demand results, if you don't meet the criteria, you don't have a company very long. And, and on the other hand, as we've seen since, I don't know, the 1960s, 1970s, if we only care about results that win at all costs, market share matters, sales matters. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how we treat people. It doesn't matter how people feel when they go home. It doesn't matter if we deliberately cause burnout, then, then that's, that's not healthy at all for anybody. And, and so now we have poor engagement, poor retention, poor recruitment rates, um, uh, worse customer service, uh, and eventually worse sales. So it has to be not just a little equal, it has to be absolutely equal. And I will tell you, uh, Christoph, in the companies that we research for good comes first, we found out that the more respect is shown, the results follow that trend. And it's, and you know, we, spoiler alert, we give it away in the title, but if we, if we insist as leaders that good comes first and, and we define good in this, in this case as as the showing of respect in daily interactions, then results quickly follow. Absolutely, and I know it's always easy to, to, to blame the leaders. I'm not saying you're doing that or pick on the leaders or whatever, but it is also a two-way street, right? I mean, uh, we, as an employee, let me, I'll just give you an example. You know, managers are usually in a lot more meetings than individual contributors, right? I mean, usually, not depends on the company, but you also sometimes you got to give them some grace, right? Oh my goodness, they didn't come to your meeting on time. You know, you don't have to run home and well, maybe you're already at home, but you don't have to have a, a fit about it, right? I mean, there was somebody complaining on LinkedIn the other day how a leader didn't come to a meeting where they rescheduled a meeting. Well, why did they reschedule it? Probably something else was happening, right? And then they rescheduled it again. Maybe we should bring it up. Maybe it should be a two-way street. Well, it has to be a two-way street. It, the showing of respect is is not is it's not a leadership manipulation tool. It's a human constant, and and we've seen and we talk about this a lot in Good Comes First. One, you can't have a culture based on respect is 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 valued just as equally as results if there's no accountability for either one, right? So. We can't say, oh, well, you have to respect me even though I'm being a complete jerk. No, if you're being a complete jerk and you're dehumanizing your 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 team, members of your team, if you're making a, a female uh, feel bad about being a female, for instance, then you're by definition, you're not being respectful. And 
you may not fit within this culture that we're trying to develop. And I know maybe we didn't have this culture before. Maybe it was okay to tell sexist jokes. Maybe it was okay to only promote other old white guys into leadership positions. Maybe that used to be okay. It's not okay now. And if you can't align to this respectful culture, you we're going to we're going to go ask you to be successful somewhere else. And and we talk about it repeatedly in the book in two in two ways. Uh, my my co-author, the amazing Chris Chris Edmonds, has been using this phrase for a long time. Lovingly set them free, let let them go. They don't belong here now. And and from the HR space, the career space that I come from, I say attrition is our best friend because you can't talk about respect and re on an equal plane if the people who aren't aligned to that, if they don't truly believe that. We're going to demonstrate that in multiple ways that Alina looks at them and goes, well, wait a minute, we've, we've been working really hard to move to this culture where respect is important and you, you aren't demonstrating respect anywhere near enough. And we're going to mentor you. We're going to coach you. We're going to give you every opportunity to succeed. But if you prove to us that you're not aligned and don't want to be aligned, we're going to we're going to ask you to go somewhere else. And I think I actually blogged about this at some point. Um, it's addition by subtraction. You know, if I had, uh, I let an employee go before who was taking so much of my time just by letting that person go. And as you would say, setting them free, uh, I actually got more work done, right? Because I had to redo all the work anyways, and it just didn't fit in, in the culture. Now, why does it what's the business impact and i think this is always an interesting discussion and i think this is no offense to anybody in the military ptsd in corporate america is a thing i'm not saying it's not it's the same thing as you know ptsd from the battlefield it is not but it is a thing in corporate america and i'm telling you i got ptsd from some of these experiences you know the sales team are the king of the mountain, whatever, like what they say goes. But, you know, I mean, that's not a good culture. And then on the other side, you got the product people sometimes who are, um, oh, my goodness, you know, the product team, whatever the product team says goes. I mean, that those are not good cultures, you know. And then the content team, oh, my goodness, why would the content team have a place at the table? I can tell you why. Because they, it's a team effort. They all go together. I mean, it's as simple as when you go to a store, just the person selling you the item isn't the most important because they gave you the receipt, they took your money, somebody made it, somebody came up with it, somebody decided where to place it in the store, marketing, for example. So all those things go together. So why do we still have so much of that politicking going on? Why do we have... I don't know what's the opposite of a um, good comes first culture, crappy as hell. <laughs> well, we say on the title, the, the cover of the book, workplaces that suck, and and yeah. and we, we get a, a little a little uh, pushback on that because it's such a derogatory term, of course. But that that's our reality, and that is the opposite of a good comes first culture. And and you asked why does this still happen? It happens because of systemic bias. And and one of the one of the biggest challenges we have in the workplace is 
the systemic bias that exists that we deny and 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 it's and it's it's why old white guys promote other old white guys and it's and it's why uh, people of color never never seem to get a a, a leg up in the boardroom or or in the uh, the c-suite and and we have to overcome this and and one of the reasons Christoph, that we talk, started talking about respect because is because racism sexism all these issues in the workplace that just beat us up they just they just kill us they they, they cause that ptsd that you're describing as a, as a veteran i appreciate you making um a case for it's different ptsd but it's still ptsd it's very real and we only have to talk to uh, uh, um, to to one or two people in 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 just a casual conversation on social media in person on zoom and we hear the horror stories and and i'll share one of them with you we we had a, a client and a and now a colleague and she a black female executive and she tells the story that one day in the boardroom she absolutely lost it and just said i am a black woman in my 40s and the only reason i'm sitting in this room is because you turned me into an old white male I, I can't be me here. I can't defend people of color here. I can't defend women here. And if I do, then then I'm the token. And and guess what? From now on, you don't get to turn me into that. I get to be me. And it's and it was such a compelling story that that it it framed a lot of what we did in the book. And and the the more we told that story, it turns out everybody has a similar story. Even white males, younger white males, is like, no, you haven't paid your dues yet. Even though <laughs> you're you're systemically doing better than than most of the leadership team, well, you're you're not you don't have white hair yet, so you can't be in the C-suite. And and it's I don't know, Chris, I it's tough. I tell you what, I'll, I'll sum up this segment by saying this: I I've coached baseball for thirty five years, and I can have the best third baseman in the world. And he can be 18 years old hitting the ball 380 feet. But if he's a jerk on the team, I can't have him there. If he's putting other guys down, if he's making the second baseman feel bad, if he's if he's helping the confidence of the pitcher or the catcher go down, he can't be on my team. Because if, he, if all he cares about is, is you know, Bryce Harper-style statistics, I can't have him around because – all nine guys have to perform at a certain level and they all matter or we can't win as a team. And that's exactly how I approach business. So what's interesting about that though, that there's a lot of companies that are not going by that principle. Um, and there's a lot of places in society, you know, as long as you have the results, uh, we're willing to overlook a lot of that crap. Uh, in fact, there was somebody, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but um, I do certainly follow them, unfortunately still, but the Washington football team, I mean, it's just like the biggest, uh, crap show right now, honestly, what's going on over there, you know? And somebody said, they said, the only reason all you people care about what's going on is because they suck on the football field. Mm. And I'm like, they might have a point, actually, because, I mean, think about all the other things that have happened. If the team was performing well, people just overlook it. You know what I mean? They move on and, oh, great, at least we had a good Saturday or Sunday or whatever. So I don't know. I think there is still a lot of that going on, unfortunately. But long term, um, it is not good for everyone involved. And also, again, 
I'm going to be continuing to push the whole, it's a two-way street, you know? What does it mean to be nice? What does it mean? People communicate differently. I'll give you an example. This, Mark, whether you like it or not, whether I like it or not, this is my resting thinking face. I'm not judging you. Do you know what I'm saying? This is how I look. And now, since I'm mostly uh, virtual, nobody says anymore, well, you're towering over me, you know, because I'm 6'5", big guy, former Division One football player. So that has already moved away. But that used to be used as a, oh, my goodness, that's so rude. Well, it's not my fault. You're shorter than I am. I'm standing. So are you. Do you know what I'm saying? So, okay, in your book, you talk about it starts with you. Who's you? Like, who are we talking to? Who does it start with to get the culture uh, in place? Well, uh, great question. And and the answer will always be the leader. And we don't have to be talking about the CEO or CHRO of a Fortune 100 company. We could be talking about a leader in a small team in a big company and, and that leader working to build their, their own subculture that may even contradict the overall culture, but it's what that leader needs to do to enjoy their work, to, to enjoy their team, to get the most possible out of their team. It could be a small business owner. It, it could, it could be a, a brand new startup who wants to say, I know I've read the research. Maybe I read good comes first. And I know that most company cultures are accidental. Most of them, we don't, we don't even talk about it, but we know the research shows that the company culture in this startup is probably going to take on my personality. It's it's going to reflect what I reward on a daily basis, and it's going to reflect sometimes in a not so good way what I tolerate, the, the, the destructive disrespect behaviors that I tolerate. And as a leader, I set that tone. And that's why we say to these leaders, a, a team of five, or, or a team of 20 inside a big company or the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, people were watching you every second of every day. You can't even run a yellow light in you with social and digital media the way it is without people knowing that you didn't live up to the rules of that moment. And, and so we set values, we, we establish behaviors that will tell us whether you're living up to that value. We measure those behaviors and we report back to you. And let's say one of your values is integrity, but everybody knows that you kind of fudge the third quarter report. You move some sales from the, from the fourth quarter into the third quarter just to make that report better. Well, you've just made yourself a hypocrite. You've just made yourself a liar. You have proven that you do not live by integrity. You say you do. You say the company does, but you did not keep your promise. You you did not do what you said you were going to do. You did not live with integrity. And if a leader doesn't do that, Christoph, nobody else has to. That's the way corporate culture works. What the leader does, what the leader rewards, what the leader tolerates, it all becomes the company culture in an accidental company culture way. If, if on the other hand, a leader is intentional about not just their corporate values, but their personal values, their alignment to those values, their ability to serve as chief role model to those values. Now we have a company culture that we can really sink our teeth into and we're going to hire better and we're going to provide better customer service. We're going to keep the people that, that, that we want to keep. And at the same time, because it's a two way street, we're going to let everybody else that doesn't align, just go somewhere else.
So uh, I don't know when, a while back, we had Alison Strobridge on the show, and she's a self-proclaimed uh, status quo breaker. And I kept saying, Allison, we got this accidental status quo, blah, 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 whatever. And she goes, I've been thinking about you saying that. I don't think that's a thing. I don't think the accidental status quo is not a thing. And here's the reason why. Somebody somewhere made a decision that this is how it is. So it's not accidental. It might not be very thought through. It might not be very thought out, but it was not accidental. I mean, think about it, right? If I'm sitting on my couch every day, drinking, eating, you know, stuff in my face, you know, I accidentally gained 80 pounds, but at the end of the day, I made a choice for it to get to that spot, right? Um, so it's just something to keep in mind. Now, in the last 90 seconds here or so, I know you talk about some of the desired values. Talk about that a little bit. What are some of the values that um, that we need to exhibit to, to have a good comes first culture? Well, it starts with respect, obviously, uh, because that's our foundational principle. But after that, each company, each leadership team gets to define what that means to them. And it could be it could be as something as generic as integrity, but the problem is if we don't actually define integrity, if you ask 20 people what integrity means, you're going to get 19 different answers. So to us, it's, the values themselves aren't so important is how we define those and how we know on behavioral terms if we're living those values. Um, one, of our, one of our clients, and I've adopted this myself now, they had a big problem with gossip and back-channel communications. And and talking behind people's back and it became sick. And so they declared a value, speak to me first. And we measured people on that value. Did Bob go and talk to Bill who he's angry with first, or did he tell his whole team that Bill's a jerk? And now we have this toxic uh, bacteria forming all over the office instead of Bob going to <coughs> Bill and going, Bill, I don't, this is not what we decided. Um, I would have liked if you had come to me first and talked to me about this because I just badmouthed you to 23 different people and they know now that I think you suck. And and so every value is different, Christoph. It, it, and it absolutely applies to probably the... If we have an accidental culture, what do we need to fix? Like the gossip thing, the back channel thing. Almost always, Christoph, values fix the current problems. And respect also means to understand what people are saying. I'll give you a really quick example here, hopefully in 10 seconds or less. One time I was helping a company restructure their, their departments. And somebody says, well, who reports to it? And I said, well, this person reports to that person, blah, blah, blah. Not that reporting structure means you can't talk to other people. And they took it back and they said to somebody else, well, Christoph said everybody now reports to him or something like that. I'm like, that's not what I said at all. I didn't come up with a structure. Somebody else did, but I'm holding one role in that, in the in the structure, right? So my point is, some people do it to not have good come first, right? They're gossiping. They are um, trying to push their own agenda. So make sure good comes first. This should go unset, quite frankly. But since it's not, read the book. It is available on Amazon. Mark, it was great to have you on the show. Nice to see you. Nice to see you, Christoph. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. 
We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.